Minority Retort on X-Ray FM. X-Ray FM. Minority Retort with Jason Lamb. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Minority Retort. My name is Jason Lamb. I'm the co-host and co-producer of Minority Retort, the comedy show, which you can see, well, you used to be able to see at the Siren Theater. That's an all, quote-unquote, people of color comedy show hosted by myself, Julia Ramos, and a rotating cast of POC comedic characters. But here on this show, we don't just talk to comedians and talk about comedy. We also talk to other talented thoughtful and creative people of color who are doing big things in the community and the world at large. And I'm so pleased to have my guest today join me back on the program, who is a very talented actor, writer, and theater producer. And we'd like to welcome back to the show right now, James Dixon. James, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm really enjoying this weather. Um, it's really nice to just see nice weather for a change. And uh, I'm, I'm having a good day. Thanks for asking. Good, good. And, you know, and uh, I mean, I guess depending on who you are, good days, um, you know, they uh, <laughs> few and far between <laughs> in, in, in these recent uh, times. Exactly. I'm always looking for something every day. I'm like, today, I'm like, you know, the sun looks really nice today. It's nice outside and it's not too hot. I'll take that as a win for the day. Yeah, if I could have we, one win today. <laughs> yeah, we, we got to find the wins wherever we can get them these days. <laughs> yes, we do. Yeah. So, uh, so welcome back to the show. Um, and you know, I, I appreciate you joining because, uh, I've been having these conversations, uh, over the past few weeks uh, on the show with, uh, as many different black people as I possibly can, um, of, of different backgrounds and, and live in different geographical regions, um, of the country to kind of talk about what's, what's been going on, um, with, the Black Lives Matter movement and death of George Floyd and police accountability and and all these issues that have um, have taken over uh, the majority of our our lives uh, in this country recently, um, and I I want to have the conversation with black people be, to help in a way I help me understand what's going on and processing that and process how I feel about it. Um, and the way I've been trying to do that is to, to boil it down or at least boil the start of the conversation down by asking a series of questions. And that is, do you feel that the activity that's going on in the streets and all the things that are happening out there with protests are going to lead to meaningful change in this country, and if so, why, and if not, why not? That is a meaty question. <laughs> uh, I actually answered an email about, um, I, someone reached out wanting, I'm one of those people that people reach out to for interviews and they want me to be involved in actions and even as a theater maker, I mean, even creating theater that directly um, affect, that, that directly speaks to what's happening right now. And I personally, um, I personally do not protest. I don't protest. I don't go out in the streets uh, anymore. Um, and mostly because um, I'm, I don't feel safe doing so. I think that protest 
is working right now to an extent because um, what I, but it's working in ways that people don't realize. I, I find it really exciting that there are white people out there protesting uh, because we need white folks out there for, for once we've got more white folks that are becoming more aware of their privileges and more aware um, of what this movement is really about. And I think that's really important. From a black perspective, uh, I don't think it's, I don't think it's, I only think it's gonna go so far. And that's mostly because like any other movement or any other um, major marketing idea, and I hate to minimize the Black Lives Matter movement to that because it's, it's much bigger than that. But you know, oh, Black Lives Matter, okay, great. And then six months later, we're back to something else. This has, this is ongoing. Um, for most of us, it's ongoing on Black every day. So I'm, I'm hopeful, but, uh, the proof is in the pudding. I'm excited to see what systemic change, what people do once they're out of the protests and back at home. Well, I think that you have articulated basically the way that I'm feeling and what I've been hearing from a lot of people as I've been talking to them through this, this course of interviews that I've done recently. And it, it speaks to, as a black person, what the experience is in this country and the realization that you come to. And it, for me, it, 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 I keep coming back to what I saw on, I, I'm not sure where, how it originated, but I saw on a, on a sign, on a protester's sign, that the, the system isn't broken. We hear that a lot, the system is broken, but the system actually isn't broken. It's, it's working exactly as it was designed to do, or did, is designed to be, and it's affecting, uh, it's, it's benefiting the people that it was supposed to, and it's not benefiting those that it wasn't supposed to originally. And, and, and if you put it in that context, if you're willing to sit down and actually look at that as an idea, then as a black person, I think that you can't help but be cynical about <laughs> what's going on right now, changing in, in a meaningful way. So I wanted to know how you felt about that part. It's just, uh, I, oh, the system's broken. I was like, is it? You know, it's just... Uh, it's kind of like, it's kind of like after, uh, what's his name got elected. I don't say his name. I just can't do it. Uh, right after he got elected, I'm walking, I lived in North Tabor at the time and I walked out of the front door and all these white people are walking around, like everything's right as rain. And I'm like, that terrified me, you know, because everything's fine for you. You feel like everything's just the way it's supposed to be. And then you've got the people like right after he was inaugurated, inaugurated, talking about their racist uncle. My, my, my uncle said the N-word, or my uncle's a racist, and, and this guy's racist. And I'm like, well, I'm, yeah, we've been saying all this time that there are all these racist people and, and at every level of government in our country, at every level of everything in this system that was built to benefit white people. So now that everyone's come to this new awareness of what's happening, we're just sitting here saying, okay, great. Now, what do you want us to do about it? And now they're wanting us to come up and do more work and do more effort. And, and there are folks that are doing that and I'm not knocking them for doing it. I'm just giving myself permission to say, no, this is not what I'm doing. I'm going to take care of this because I'm literally out of energy for it. So uh, it is kind of funny. Some days, I, most days I laugh. I, it's like a laugh. You ever laughed and cried at the same time? <laughs> you know? Yeah, usually about this time every day. Yeah, same. So like, <laughs> it's just been this, um, I, I'm, I think I'm a very emotionally um, intelligent person. I'm, I think I'm pretty wise for 40 years old, but I've experienced emotions over the past couple months 
that I can't describe. And I, I've experienced emotions that I, that I've never experienced before. And um, I'm, I'm forever, forever humbled and baffled by it at the same time. Yeah. Humbled and baffled. Yeah. That's uh that's, that's a good way of putting that. Um, and I think, you know, the other thing that I keep coming back to is that, you know, I mean, mo moms are being gassed in the streets right now. <laughs> I mean, it's, I know I'm not laughing because it's funny. I'm laughing because at the, at the absurdity that this is where we're at. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I of course don't mean absurd in that it's, that it's humorous. I mean, absurd that it's, it's a, it's such a, an idea that I can't fathom. Um, yeah. What else? Like what else? Like what else? What else? Yeah. We're gassing moms now. We're gassing <laughs> rip stations where they're giving out free food. We're, we're, they literally slice open their water bottles last night that they wow. were giving out for free to folks. They, they pepper yeah. sprayed their food and their means for giving people free food on the side of the street. Like, You've got a lot. I mean, it's not funny, but uh, it's absurd, it's, you know? Yeah, but I say, I say that to say that, that it's a fight. Like, we always say we, we, that we have to fight for this, and we have to fight for that. It's, it's a battle for, you know. Um, and I just keep coming back to, why is this a battle? <laughs> like, why is it a battle? It's, 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 it seems pretty basic. Um, but... Every step of the way, we've had to fight for everything that we've gotten and where we still need to go, we have to fight for that. And I find that incredibly disheartening, even though, you know, I'm encouraged by what's, what's happening in the streets and, and you know, and, and white involvement in that. Um, but, you know, part of me is like, okay, a lot of you are out in the streets and you know, you're, and this is, this is somewhat new information. And I guess, you know, the scales have fallen from your eyes and, you know, and you you realize you have to do something about it. But, you know, part of me is like, well, where were you before? Um, and why are you realizing it now? Um, but at the same time, I also feel like, well, does it matter when they got there as long as they got there? And so I wanted to ask you, how, how do you feel about that, that aspect of, of, of what's going on right now? I, th I think everything happens when it's supposed to. Um, I also think that all existences and all and all feelings are valid. So I, I think it's I think it's completely all right for our young twenty-something-year-old white kids who are out there putting themselves in harm's way, getting hit by pepper spray and, pe and bullet. I think that is valid, and I'm I'm actually really proud of them, and I'm really I'm really excited about that. I'm I'm it's it, it makes me feel amazing to see that's happening. But I also don't feel bad for sitting at home and chuckling about it too, because and, and when I say chuckling, I don't mean making fun of them. It's like, damn, is this is this happening? I was like, wow, like really? Now is the time, you know? Like the email. I, I mean, I cannot tell you how many emails I, or on Facebook. I've got I've got nearly five thousand Facebook friends. How many of my white folks on Facebook have been like messaging me? Are you okay? You know, you good? You know, do you want to call in black today? I'm like. I'd love to call in black, please. Thank you. Yes, I'm fine. I don't want to hug. I don't want to talk. But how about you just send me some money and we'll be even. Um, <laughs> seriously, because like it's a lot. Because ultimately, when you're reaching out to your black friends, they've got 5,000 other friends doing it too. 
And, uh, and, and from our perspective, I'm making sure that my white friends feel okay today with what's happening in the world. And it's very scary. It's scary when people, I call it walking beyond the veil, where you realize, oh, wow, I have male privilege. Yes, you do. You also have white privilege too. And like, this is how you benefited from it. That doesn't make me a bad person because I'm male. That just means because I'm male, I can be more aware of how women have been systemically treated like crap, especially black women in this country, native women in this country. Um, I, can, I can create more attention and, and more awareness towards how I'm benefiting and how I can disrupt those systems where I have agency as a male. White folks can do that too. It's not that hard. People can get caught up pretty quick. Yeah, and, and you, you brought up male privilege a, a second ago. And, um, you know, if I'm being honest with myself, I, I think that there was, was a, a long time in my life that I didn't realize that I had male privilege or recognize what it was. Um, and I don't want to turn it into, a, into an all lives matter type of a conversation because, you know, that is problematic in and of itself. But at the same time, this is a time for all, I think all of us to reflect on um, how privilege, what different privileges we have um, in a way. And um, I think instead of saying all lives matter, I think along with that, I think there's all lives are responsible though too, to some degree, if that makes sense. I think we have to realize, you know, the, the benefits that we have are that, that we are able to take advantage of um, in this country, you know, depending on, on who you are. Um, but, you know, as we look at what's happening in our city, uh, especially over the past couple of nights, um, with federal agents occupying the streets and, and, and people being, um, you know, detained, um, <laughs> in unmarked police vans. I, again, I, I, I chuckle to use your word as, at the absurdity of that, but um, to to keep myself from going insane of the horror of it. Um, um, but I'm thinking about those those agents that, are, that have those orders to occupy our city. Um, and you're a military, ex-military uh, right. service member. Yeah, I'm a veteran. Um, what uh, what uh, branch of the service were you in? I was in the Air Force. In the Air Force, okay. Um, and I was just wondering about those those agents or those those members of uh, uh, of the government that have orders, and what it's like for someone in that position to do that. And where you can talk about what orders are to a person that in, that's in that position that may be asked to do something or ordered to do something that by all <laughs> accounts that everyone here in this town, most of, I guess you say most, um, is illegal and immoral. You know, it's interesting, like when people, it's interesting, the word illegal, it's, and, and just like, much like the word great these days has become a bit of a trigger word for me because like, what's illegal really mean? What, what does it take for, what is an illegal immigrant, you know? An illegal immigrant, you know, like for those that live in Oregon, where I'm from in North Carolina, a pot smoker is a criminal. You know what I mean? Like where I'm from, a dime sack of marijuana will get you in prison mm. for 10 years. 
So when we talk about what what's legal and what isn't, we as military, as as federal members, we swear, we swear to protect and defend. We believe in what we believe in what we're told to do. We believe it. We go through the training. We do it because we're proud. You know, I was, I was a proud veteran. Proud veteran. I will have to say though that um, the difference between military and these federal agents that are out there right now is military members are sworn to protect and defend, as are those federal agents. But those federal agents are still civilians, and they can quit their jobs. Uh, military members can't. You can do a conscientious objection if if you want. You know, when you're sworn, you are sworn. You will go to jail if you leave your post. Um, but when you when you when you're there and you're told to do something, a lot of times you don't question. I I never question my orders because I'm not supposed to question my orders. I go and I do what I'm supposed to do. Um, I don't have a lot of sympathy for those federal officers that are down there uh, because they can they choose to do those jobs. They can quit their jobs if they want to. Maybe for some of them, they might feel that being working for the federal government might be their way to actually do some good. Like I had, I got into it with a girl whose father is a, is a sheriff down in Clackamas County. And uh, she said, well, I hate when you talk about my dad like that because he's black. And I was like, well, is he showing up officer today or is he showing up black? Which is it? Because if you're a good officer, you're an officer that's holding your fellow officers accountable. And if you're not doing that, you're just like the rest of them. I don't care where you're from. I don't care what your color is because the police officers unions that we know today or originally their original job were was to recover slaves in this country that was their original job the police department was, was designed to protect white interests and that is still the case and i don't care if you're black you've adopted that ideal just like you swear to defend our civilians you adopted this ideal and i think the most important thing people can do is really think about why they're doing this work and what they're and what they're actually defending. You know, I, I introduced you earlier on as a as an actor and a and a writer and a, a theater director. Um, you've done a lot of great work in town, um, and you know we're we're calling these times unprecedented, um, and it, it, it's certainly unprecedented in terms of the economic impact um, to. Uh, as resulting from from COVID and the, the, the pandemic, um, but the civil unrest that's going on is not unprecedented, um, and so I hesitate to to call to use the term unprecedented when it comes to to that, because um, unfortunately the, the the precedent has been set you know for many many times over in this in this country, and unfortunately it's had to have been. Uh, had to have happened. Um, but in these times, I wonder you as a creative person, hey, A, how does it help you as a creator? How does art help you as a creator to get through these times or, or, or deal with what we're experiencing now? And how, B, how as an art consumer does it help you get through these times? Right now, it's really helping a lot. I just started working again. I participated in a uh, playwriting festival last, about two weeks ago. It was a 24-hour play festival called Sequestered Soliloquies with Bag and Baggage. And I wrote a seven-minute um, soliloquy. So it's just basically a monologue, an internal monologue. And uh, luckily enough, my actor was a Black woman. And I'm like, oh, I got to write what's going like, <laughs> Let's write about it. I posted a video of it on my website, which I can give you later. Um, 
And I remembered how awesome it felt to write for her because what's interesting about this particular actor who was in this piece was um, that she did a video interview so I could know more about her, but I already knew who she was. And one thing she talked about was, you know, oh, I was around for the Huff Riots, H-O-U-G-H. Uh, and I was like, oh, Huff Riots, what's that about? Uh, surprisingly enough, it was July 18th. Uh, through July 22nd, 23rd of, uh, of 1966, I believe it was. And these were riots that happened in Cleveland, Ohio, much like the ones that are happening right now. Integration was happening. These white people weren't allowing Blacks to move into their neighborhoods. So they were moving out. Segregation, they were having Black kids going to school with white kids. They weren't having that. So next thing you know, you know, these white people were being very very racist, attacking black folks, kicking them out of restaurants, no, you know, no, no N-words allowed here, no, no water for, you know, you know, fill in the blank. And they started rioting. And you know what? It's ironic that right now, right now, it's exact, it's happening again. There were officers in the streets with bayonets pointed at humans during the Huff riots. They're doing that in DC. During the Huff riots, you had women this woman's got her head out the door trying to call her child in the room. She's shot in the head. Officers are going through the neighborhoods and shooting and killing people indiscriminately during the Huff riots, legally and getting away with it. We're not there yet. But now we've got federal officers just like we had all these years ago. Right here. I mean, that's the cycle of this art that we're making. It's great for this actor to be there. And, it was, and that, this actor, I wrote the soliloquy around that riot. And it was something that was personal for her as, as artists, especially black artists, when we're doing work that's centered around our type of oppression. Um, it's a very whole experience. And outside of what you're seeing here in the arts, we're having our own set of protests and political things surrounding all of this because of the way we operate and the type of stories we tell. So um, for us, this, I mean, I love putting, I love putting my life experiences into my work. Because otherwise, um, I just don't know what to do with it. You know, like uh, we can, otherwise I have to sit in it. I have to be creative. I have to get it out. Um, it helps me, it helps me deal with it. And also create awareness for folks that are in the audience um, or, or for other black folks that are sitting there. It's really great for us to hear someone telling our stories. You know, that's what's crazy about, and this is a little long winded, but that's what's crazy about what's happening on the news and on television. You got white officers coming out of Lake Oswego to become cops. And they're watching us as a black actor when I'm asked to go on on there and, and talk, speak ethnic or be a little hood, you know, that is programming. That is programming the Trayvons with the with the with the hat with the hoodies and that's programming. You know, that is how they learn about us. People need to learn more about American history, not black history, American history, because we're Americans too. Um that's a whole it's a whole it's a full cycle experience. Well, and that's a perfect note to end on. Uh, I really appreciate you joining the show today uh, and talking through, through some of this stuff. And um, I would love to have you back on the show uh, anytime you want. Um, but until then, maybe you can let people know uh, where they can get a hold of you and then find out more about your work. Uh, I have a website. It's jamesrdixon.com, D-I-X-O-N. Um, and that's where I usually post most of the work that I've done. It's easy to contact me there. Uh, and any future shows I have coming up, I'll post them there. I am directing a piece next month um, with um, Manny Hats Collaborations. It's a piece called Matter, written by Charles Grant, who's a local actor 
and it's centered around police violence. Um, and I'm, we're hoping to get that up and running and present it to you guys in early September. So stay tuned for that. Excellent. Well, I'd love to have you back on the show at that time to talk about it. Uh, but I thank you for joining me on the show today. James Dixon, pleasure to talk to you. Take care. Thank you so much. Thank you. And we'll be back to wrap up the show in just a moment.